Hi, everybody. It's Rich Eswick here, The Green Peak. And joining us this week, we have Chris Walsh, who's the CEO of MJ Biz, which is one of the industry's largest conferences, uh, starting again on November 15th of this year in Las Vegas. Welcome aboard, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me on. Excited to talk all about cannabis. Yeah, no, you know, this is the... 11th MJ Biz. And over the last, you know, obviously there was a, a bit of a gap there for COVID, but, you know, over the last dozen or so years, you've seen tremendous change in the industry. And, you know, we're seeing in the news, of course, the pardons that were announced just recently and talk about descheduling, but there's some talk about scheduling to two and three, which would be problematic for some of our industry participants. How do you look at the, uh, you know, the state of what's going on and going forward. It's a really interesting time right now because the industry after a banner year in 2020 and a pretty good 2021 uh, is really experiencing a lot of growing pains right now. And we were, I'd be happy to expound on that later, but uh, suffice to say, you know, this is a very difficult time for parts of the industry. So it was looking for a catalyst or for something yep. that would reignite the optimism and the buzz around the industry. And so far, this has done that. Um, to your to your question, we don't really know how this is going to play out. I mean, to me, the fact that a sitting president uh, dire- uh, directly addressed this head on while in office is pretty amazing. It is. I've never seen anything like that. But where it goes from here, I don't know. And and uh, yeah, uh, rescheduling to two or three, there would be winners and lots of losers uh, from the industry right now uh, could greatly reshape the industry versus kind of descheduling. So I don't, we don't really have any indication of yeah. where this is all going to go. It, it is a bit of a mystery. And I know we've been hearing lots of mixed signals out of uh, Washington about that. So it's uh, obviously something we all have to watch really closely, but you know, you touched upon the fact that uh, 21 now there's had to be some adjustments and, you know, looking out forward, um, where do you see the biggest growth over the next two to three years, regardless of rescheduling? Yeah, that's a great question because uh, the 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 growing pains the industry is experiencing are going to shake up kind of the landscape, and and some companies potentially a lot of companies aren't going to make it, and some yep. haven't this year. So uh, you know, I think we we can talk about the strongest companies are the ones that are going to get through this period of time and really focus on the fundamentals of their business and their finances and. And make sure that that is is in order to survive times of of chaos or or difficulty. So when yeah. we look where where are the opportunities going to be, you know, it's it's we're going to continue to see opportunities for existing companies to expand into multiple states, and it's not just going to be the current crop of MSOs. Absolutely, you're going you're going to have another wave of companies that are are going to operate. You know, starting with their first location, they might be operating now, and they're gonna they're going to try and build brands in multiple states. So you're going to see another wave of that type of movement, as well as the current MSOs likely getting bigger. And then, um, you know, it's it's really going to be a geographical play, I think, going forward, you, you know, that we still have a lot of potential growth coming from new markets, you know, that the older markets, the the kind of OGs of the industry yep. are maturing. In some cases, they're they're saturated. And, and so I really look to, to where the growth is going to be for now in the next couple of years is the the New York's which is starting its recreational 
Uh marijuana industry and and the five states on the ballot coming up here in November and the new markets that are just starting up. Those are that has always been a key part of the industry, you know, that that we're seeing is the new markets come online every year. And that's where a lot of growth comes from. Uh, And I'd just like to say really quickly, a lot of these markets are going to be smaller going forward than we've experienced in the past. You know, there's there's only a handful of really big markets that haven't legalized yet. That's that's true. And, you know, when you mentioned about the the changeover with every economic downturn, there's always a bunch who disappear and a new crop that comes forward. And in every industry, that's held true. With that said, you know, who shocked you in disappearing? Um, I don't like to comment on specific companies, but sure. I, I guess I'm overall, I'm not surprised that companies are not making it. I, I just think that, you know, None of them has really have really shocked me, uh, you know, and I, I didn't know the financial health of every company, but as what I knew in general was that a lot of companies just weren't prepared. They they right. kind of took 2020 as the new benchmark of where everything was going and and level set against that where when sales were soaring uh, for some unique reasons and unique circumstances tied to COVID uh, with people staying home, getting stimulus money, being some of the only businesses open. There's a lot of factors that went in. And if you had modeled your business on that environment going forward indefinitely, I think those are some of the companies that really struggle or really struggling now or went out of business. They they didn't have the wherewithal to withstand a downturn, to withstand a drying up of capital. You know, maybe they were very, uh, you know, just fueled by investment money. And uh, when that dries up, they didn't have, you know, the basis down, the the profitability you know, they could have been bleeding money or they just didn't, they weren't able to find their place in a changed industry and they weren't able to compete against the companies that did and weren't desperate and they kind of had their financial house in order. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we're, you know, I'm not really surprised by any specific company and I'm not surprised that a lot of them are struggling either. No, I know. I'm not surprised at all. And, you know, it, what you just touched upon is companies having their financial house in order, having good, clean books, having good clean information, good compliance structure, but also just being able to manage efficiently puts companies in a position that they can always refinance, leverage what they have, and find ways to make it through. But the companies that haven't paid attention to those fundamentals are going to be worse, you know, are the ones that are really going to suffer. Yeah. And and I, I don't want to paint everyone with a broad brush. There are companies no. that that uh, have been responsible from an operations and a financial standpoint that are still really struggling. You know, it depends on your market. California, it's really hard to be successful. And there are some companies doing well there now, but the majority are not. So, you know, um, but that's the, that's the thing about running a business. You have to structure it so that it can get through anything. Like no one expected COVID. That happened to be a boon for the industry. But, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a war or a terrorist attack or just a recession, there's always something, right? So you you have to structure your business in a way that can get through these unexpected challenges. And uh, and I think there just were a lot of businesses that didn't. And, you know, the industry hasn't uh, traditionally been very sophisticated from a business standpoint. You know, these these Wall, Wall Street type or corporate types coming in have seen this happen before. And some of them are leading companies and actually saw what was going to happen, even if it's, you know, a down, a plunge in in wholesale prices. And they, they come from the agricultural world. So they structured... Yep their company knowing where the the puck is going on that uh so so yeah it's it's a difficult situation but uh, there are ways to get through this it is incredibly difficult and it's also because of the change happening so rapidly a lot of business operators 
were caught short because the demands of the the investors were uh, pushing them in one direction and the market started pulling in the other and it's hard to adjust sometimes. Yeah. Well, and you're also seeing investors now being a lot more careful about yes. what they're investing in and about and holding your feet to the fire where when everything was great, there were new markets left and right. And you kind of, if you build it, they will come. If you, if you open a dispensary or a rec store, an edibles company, a cultivation site, you were naturally going to have a lot of business in the beginning. And, and it was easy for that to cover up all the warts, you know, of, of maybe your business model. And we experienced some of that with COVID too at MJ biz, where we look back that hurt our business really badly because we depend on live events. And so we looked at things and we were like, yeah, we, we were very, we were very well run and we had um, the financial wherewithal to get through it. But, uh, but there were things you get caught up in the hype, right? And then you look and you're like, wow, why do we go off in that direction? Why do we have all these resources over here? This thing's not profitable. What are we doing with it? And so a lot of businesses that didn't have that kind of cash buffer, that, that fiscal responsibility just got, you know, blindsided by it. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's a that's an ongoing challenge, but we'll come back to that after we have to take a short break. We'll be back in a moment with Chris Walsh from MJ Biz on the Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on the Green Peak with Chris Walsh from MJ Biz. And you know, Chris, one of the things as we're talking about was, you know, the struggles of some, but we're also seeing a lot of brands become more and more active in the space and people trying to build out brands. And of course, brands is a tricky one in the in the cannabis area because you've got medical and you've got adult use. And, you know, and there's always going to be some confusion between one and the other until we really get clarity from a federal perspective. But brands are looking at to invest and looking at investing more actively and participating more actively. What do you see as the change that that's going to bring to the industry over the next few years? Well, it's going to get a lot harder to compete as a brand if you are not viewing this with a CPG lens. If you are not aware of how some of the biggest brands in in the country and in the world on the business side and the mainstream industries have built their reputation, have built their companies, because you know we all know that's where this is going. There will likely be plenty of kind of quote unquote mom and pop brands for many years to come and hopefully forever but we're going to see this shift just like we're seeing with the msos in general where you're going to have the the starbucks and the mcdonald's and the coca-colas and and there will be room for for others as well but i see the shift in being this sophistication of how people are approaching building a nationwide and even global brand and they're bringing in people um, and ideas from the outside who know how to do this and that doesn't mean they'll be successful they could stumble everywhere in the cannabis industry, but there are tried and true concepts to how you build a brand beyond a particular market. Yes. And uh, if you don't know how to do that, um, there were pioneers in this industry who didn't know how to do that, who are some of the biggest brands now, uh, which is great to see, but it's going to be harder to do that. We've had this buffer because- It's always of the, harder later, isn't it? Well, especially in the cannabis industry, we've had this buffer. So you weren't immediately competing against big outside companies. Uh, and then still to this day, you're not really doing that. But when that changes, if there's a banking change, if there's a decriminalization or something, you know, there's going to be a flood of, of big companies, big brands that are coming in, and it's going to change the landscape uh, significantly. It will. It'll change, you know, as you said, significantly. And it's interesting to see some companies, especially internationally, actually acquiring significant portfolios 
um, which which has been quite interesting because the portfolios tend to be micro brands, but they're regionally very strong. Um, as the market continues to grow, though, that's also going to shift because the the medical space is going to need completely differentiated brands from the the rec space. Are you ta- are you seeing many of the traditional companies that would be in the CPGs? that would be oriented towards the medical space, looking at differentiating and talking to companies about different strategies? I think there's some of that going on, but honestly, a lot of the mainstream companies that I at least see out there, and it's by no means all of them, I think the everyone's viewing the opportunity as the recreational side, the adult use yeah. side. That's the big, uh, the, the kind of pot of gold there, if you're looking at it from a business perspective. And we don't know where the medical side is going to go. You know, in every state it's that- very tough. Every state that legalizes recreational, it basically kind of starts shifting in that way. And the patient yeah. counts start dropping and the markets start to, uh, you know, blend together. And mm-hmm. so in some, in some cases, yes, there will, there are different products or there's a different focus, but uh, for, for medical versus consumers who are using it for other reasons, but also you can develop brands and market them differently. And maybe they're essentially the same thing uh, and, and hit both markets. And in others, you have even more leeway on the medical side because you can have higher concentrations of THC or whatever, but I don't see a ton of focus specifically on medical. A lot of companies are doing recreational only or they're they're blending the two but putting a lot of focus on the adult use side but also incorporating the medical into that and not just saying you know this is just a a a a patient focused brand yeah and of course the u.s market is very different from the rest of the world with regards to how that part of the business has been evolving very different one that uh i think as companies you know as as federal legalization does happen whether it's you know rescheduled in the near term or whether it still takes a few years which is equally likely and possible um that global market is going to be interesting for the for all the uh the brands to look out to the world as well well, it's what you're seeing now is for a while, Canada, the Canadian companies were leading the charge globally, and Canada had really positioned itself uh, in that way. The companies, you know, it, it, recreational went uh, legal there, and uh, you know, so business conditions were normalized in a lot of publicly traded companies, and uh, Canada looked to expand outside. Um, and as what happened is they, in many cases, overinvested in Europe and in, in South America, and the markets didn't evolve quick enough there. Real um, expectations were unrealistic of how fast the markets would grow. Mm-hmm. And so they've retreated a lot. But now you're seeing the U.S. companies starting to look more and more globally. And that really wasn't the case even a couple years ago. But I'm constantly seeing some U.S. companies now trying to build global brands and a global reach, which is very tricky. It's hard enough to do it just in the U.S., let alone it the is. world. It is. And, you know, unfortunately for Canada, for the industry that and here where I am, um, the government of Canada really didn't help. It opened it up, but it hamstrung the the businesses from being able to participate fully in the ways they wanted to at the same time. So it was a bit of a mess, and we Canada lost its advantage in the global markets for that reason. The government kind of t- took you know half a step forward, half a step back, and nobody knew what to do. Absolutely. Um, you, you know, MJ Biz. It's not just a cannabis conference. You've got a marketing forum. You've got a science symposium, a section on psychedelics. You know, looking at all of that, um, where do you see the growth over the next couple of years? And where do you see the big change, uh, really, where it's going to sit two to three years down the road? 
Yeah, so we've been doing MJ BizCon now for 11 years. And, uh, you know, it's last year we were able to hold it in person again. In 2020, it was virtual, of course, because uh, mm -hmm. of COVID. Last year, the goal was just to have the damn thing, right? We did. We did. Yeah. Uh, it was just like, can we get everyone together and do it safely? And man, that would just be awesome, right? The industry can get around each other again and let's celebrate that period. Uh, so we were able to do that in the fall. But the last year since then, we've really spent uh, all of our time and resources making it better and trying to understand how the industry is changing and what the needs are now, what we can provide it. So again, versus last year, which was like, let's not do anything innovative or new, let's just hold it. And, um, and that will be a success. Now it's, you know, what can we do? How can we uh, explore the new areas that are going to, that are going to grow in the future. And that's things like, you know, there's a lot of hype around psychedelics, of course. And, and on that end, you know, there's a lot of cannabis people looking at that and yep. seeing that as the next marijuana industry. And, you know, we aim to offer a realistic uh, viewpoint on that. And actually our parent company, Emerald, that bought us in uh, January is running that part of our show because they had already been looking at it. So that's a mainstream company looking into psychedelics. We see the crossover with cannabis. So we're looking at things like that. Marketing has become huge in this industry and more sophisticated than it's ever been. You brought up branding before. And guess what? To compete as a brand now, it's much different than five years ago, uh, yes. whether it's packaging, whether it's you know positioning, whether it's logo, whether it's your message. Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it to be successful. So we've, we've noticed a lot of marketers coming in from the mainstream and, uh, you know, they need to get together and they need to learn from each other and from other experts. So it's really looking at things like that. And I finally say the, the biggest thing we're trying to do this year too, is, you, you know, we, we took a very hundred percent laser focused, uh, approach of business, business, business. And mm -hmm. that's where we, that's what we've always done. And that's what we're still going to do. But as part of that, you know, we were kind of buttoned up all the time at our shows. And it's like, well, this is a cannabis industry. Why is everything, you know, why is everyone in suits? Right. And while we want to maintain that, we've also uh, are loosening up that tie a little bit. So we have some new areas on the show floor. There's a patio with food trucks and, uh, you know, games and a bar and things like that, that, uh, you know, trying to bring some more of that fun, which always exists there right. and embrace that part of the industry because we feel it's time that we can. It's it's necessary. It's part of the the overall atmosphere and culture, right? So that's that's a big big change and advantage. And you know, looking through you know what's up, of course, this year with the economic uncertainty, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more emphasis on the finance forum than would have been where money was easier. <laughs> yeah, that forum is doing really well in terms of uh, registrations. Uh, a lot of people are interested in that, and uh, we kind of re rejiggered that this year to. Uh, you know, it, it had a different focus in the past, but we realized that, yeah, this is top of mind for many people. And it's not just how do you land money? It's, it's you know, how do you handle your finances in general and your strategic planning uh, as a company in this industry? And so that has been immensely popular. And I think, you know, that's going to be the, the dominant conversations at MJ BizCon through our, through our educational content, the conversations that happened on the show floor at the bars and the hotels at night, you know, it's going to be the investment situation and finance it's going to be biden's move and the election and it's yeah. going to be the some of the pain that the industry is experiencing now absolutely hey chris we have to take another break but we'll be back in a minute with chris welsh from mj biz on the green peak the green peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors 
And we're back on the Green Peak with Chris Walsh from MJ Biz. And Chris, you know, just at the start of the segment, we were talking a bit about the rescheduling and uh, talks about what, where it would go, two, three, five, uh, and any number of the options. And, you know, having dealt with government officials around the world where, you know, they were thinking it would go faster. In Colombia, they promised the exports would be allowed for flour back in 2019, and it didn't happen. And, you know, it's always been a bit of a push-pull and uh, some resistance, some desire to move forward. But even when they say, let's go ahead, it still takes two years for the regulations to be in place, which means it'll be three years at least. What are you seeing and how do you think the market's you know, going to adapt to hearing that it's going to be legalized, but then waiting to see what happens? Well, that's a great question. I think you know there, there's actually mixed opinions right now in the industry. A lot of people are excited about the potential for decriminalization and further federal reform. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some skeptics out there. And what you mentioned, it's like, if you've been in the industry, you are skeptical. You're like, okay, I've heard things before. I've seen how this plays out. There's been no movement really in the US on the federal level. There's other countries like Colombia or even Germany where things just move really slowly. Yeah. It takes years for markets to develop, for regulations to come out, et cetera. So there's a healthy dose of skepticism, but people are are, are looking for a, a shining ray right now of, of sunlight. Yeah. Um, the way I view it is, you know, um, you know, you it's like anything in cannabis. Uh, it's not going to go as fast as you think. It's not going to be as perfect as you hope. So you you have to understand that when there are big developments you know, you have to have a strategy for them and it has to be a long-term strategy and it has to also be flexible because you don't know what's going to happen. And if in the US in January, like more and more people are thinking has a good chance of happening and we get a a passage of the safe banking bill Mm -hmm. and we kind of normalize the banking environment, that that's fantastic. And there will be a lot of hype and stocks will soar and and new companies and the global, oh, it has ripple effects everywhere. Uh, and, and so, you know, you're going to have a lot of hype and, but it, that's probably warranted. However, you know, who knows how quickly the real changes that affect the industry directly will take, you know, is it, is it going to take a while to enroll? And then the, the, the banks, the big banks probably have to research into it and come up with their own, whatever, you know, like yep. it's not going to be like a, a switch, but what will happen in something like that is that you, you got to look for where the immediate impacts would be. And if that's investments coming in you know, um, you're going to have immediate uh, immediate benefit there, maybe access to more capital. You are going to have the hype surrounding it, uh, which in some cases will be, will be very warranted. But, you know, what we can learn over the past decade in this industry is you cannot plan for a specific scenario occurring. So you've got to be responsible at all times and understand that, again, how you think it might play out is likely how it's not going to play out. And uh, and you kind of got to have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C and a plan D. Uh, and they don't they can't be tied to specific outcomes. They've got to be tied to uh, overarching situations, you know, um, and one of those situations is nothing changes at all. No. And that's, you know, unfortunately, that's always the most likely path. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, in each of those, um, your financial planning is different. And, you know, we, everybody has to be a lot more conservative than we were a few years ago, because government officials have proven that it's not going to happen the way they would like. And there's a difference between the bureaucrats and the elected officials, but even the elected officials and jurisdiction to jurisdiction have really varied uh, speeds. Um, 
when you have the um, event going on, of course, one of the big areas that impacts how it how cannabis rolls out in different countries is the medical associations. Um, are you getting more interest from the various global medical associations to learn more, but also to prepare how to help bring cannabis to people in need? Because that opens the doors for recreational as well. It does. And I think we've seen more interest in general from those groups and associations, not necessarily from the U.S., though, because the U.S. Yeah. isn't the best the best example of how to create a medical cannabis program or industry, because as we all know, a lot of them were um, kind of just like recreational or, you know, there was just no federal approach. So I think you're seeing interest in 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 learning what they can from the U.S. experiment. But, you know, a lot of or countries are doing it completely differently. And the U.S. Uh, case study does not apply. Canada mm -hmm. might be Canada might be a better example, at least from years ago, for, for medical cannabis yep. legalization. But even that's the thing in cannabis, too. Something that happened two or three years ago is like two decades old. Oh, it's uh, horrific. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's probably going to be like we've seen in the U.S., where, you know, every country is going to do it potentially completely differently than others. And they're going to look in some cases to the U.S. and to Canada and to other countries, to Germany or whatever. And then they're going to cobble together what they think is best for their population and for their country. And sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it's going to be bad. But look, we're all in this global experiment together. It is a big experiment. That's absolutely true. And, you know, on that, Chris, people who want to learn more and, you know, MJ Biz is a great place to go, learn about it, get a, you know, an incredible dump of information, uh, which will carry people through more than a year of learning. Where do they learn more? And, uh, you know, if they want to attend the show, where should they go and visit online? Yeah, MJ Biz Daily is uh, mjbizdaily.com is our main news site, news and analysis and market research. And from there, you can get to our event, MJ BizCon, uh, which is also mjbizconference.com on its own site. And you can check out what we got going on there with our all of our great speakers and uh, you know giant show floor with 1,400 booths in Las Vegas that really takes over the whole <laughs> the whole strip. It does. In Vegas, yeah. yeah. It definitely does. Chris, I'd like to thank you for joining us on the Green Peak this week. Thanks for having me. It was great to talk to you. It's been a great conversation, and I'd like to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back again with you next week. I'm Richard Zwicky. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.